Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. As we're on the tenth of the ten, we made it. The tenth of the ten commandments this morning, and uh, I'll read from Exodus twenty verse seventeen, and then from the Gospel of Luke in chapter sixteen verses ten to fifteen. And as we turn to the scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, by your mercy, not by our strength. By your grace, not by our merit. Let your word come in strength and in power to revive and enliven us to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And at Luke 16, Jesus speaking, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. Amen. Lord of my shopping. Well, welcome to the silliest title in this uh, Ten Commandments Lord series. What in the world is this about? Lord of my shopping. Someone stopped me in the hall this morning and said, I kept all the receipts from everything I bought yesterday. It's because I wasn't sure where you were taking us tomorrow. Lord of my shopping. As we close out our our series on the Ten Commandments, we, we look at God's command against coveting today. And I just ask, can you imagine, can you imagine really, can you imagine taking Jesus shopping with you? What that would be like? In Costco or wherever, you know. You know, the, the greatest uh, shopping buddies that I like are people who, who you know, will come along with you and you'll be looking at something and they'll say, oh, go ahead, you know, you, you deserve it. Get, what's the last time you bought a pair of shoes for yourself? Just go on. It looks great on you. Just, just buy it. You know, those are, those are the shopping buddies you like, right? What would, what would it be like to be with Jesus? You know, Jesus would be more like, eh, I've got what I need, you know. I don't think I need that. Oh, <laughs> maybe he'd be shopping than that. I don't know. 
Why take Jesus shopping? Why take Jesus shopping? Because when I go shopping, when, when, go, when we go looking for things, when we go asking for what we need, looking for what we lack, comparison sets in and envy starts to grow and jealousy starts to get engendered. And before you know it, we're stuck in misery. And here's what the 10th commandment teaches us. Comparison is deadly, but contentment is peace. Comparison is deadly, but contentment is peace. Jesus with me on my shopping trip. Jesus with me as I'm shopping online. Jesus on Black Friday. Jesus on Cyber Monday. Jesus with me at Costco, wherever. Yes. Why? Because I I need it. I need it. I want it. Jesus intends to set you free from the comparison trap and give you peace and contentment, gratitude even, for all the things that you have in your life. Of all the Ten Commandments, you know, this is the one that surprises me the most. Maybe you could pick one, but this one, for me, it just kind of surprises me. I mean, murder, sure, that's definitely got to be in there. Adultery, uh, stealing, idolatry, even honoring your parent. These are big, big things. These are the types of things where when these things go wrong, people get arrested, you know. Careers end. Uh, trials ensue. There's prison sentences tacked onto the back of them. But, but envy, wanting something that somebody else has, it seems like small potatoes, compared to the others. But comparison is deadly. Envy obsesses with other people's gains. If you want to run a a litmus test on envy, the test of envy is this. Can you genuinely celebrate the success of your colleague, the promotion of your classmate, the good fortune of your neighbor, Or does it eat away at you? Mark Twain once said, few of us can stand prosperity. Another man's, I mean. (laughs) I'm glad you got that because that's not easy. Few of us can stand prosperity. Another man's, I mean. Yeah. Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Rots the bones. Envy makes our bones rot. When I say comparison is deadly, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean. We look over the fence at what our neighbors have and at what others at our same age and stage are experiencing or enjoying, and we wonder, why don't we have the same? Why, why, why do they, oh, they get to buy that car? They get to go on that sort of vacation? They buy that TV or, or those accolades? Why them, not me? Bone rot. You know, what do you do with that? It just, it's deadly. It takes life away. And soon you're out shopping and all you can think about is how you don't have what others have. But, but what, if, what if I took Jesus shopping with me? What if Jesus is Lord of my shopping? What if I asked Jesus to help me define what I need and what I want and the difference between the two? 
Gratitude is so key here. Philosophers for centuries have, have talked about how important gratitude is. And now in our time, scientists run all these studies to study all the chemicals that are released in the body when we're, when we're grateful, when we're thankful, when we experience gratitude. An ancient uh, Stoic philosopher said you can escape envy and grow in gratitude through this simple mental exercise. He said it's three steps. Number one, assess all the things that you have. Material, social, whatever you value, all the things that you have, and list the top three things that you value the most. Do you have it? I'm giving you just, a, just an instant there. And he said the next thing you do is you imagine you don't have those things. So are you there? Imagine the three things you value most, and now imagine that you don't have those things. The third step is ask yourself how hard you would work to gain those things if you didn't have them. Now you know the value of the things you already have. You follow? So be grateful. Be grateful. Express gratitude for what's in your life. A heart at peace gives life to the body, says Proverbs 14.30. But envy rots the bones. Let's be a little bit more careful because the word is, is covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Covet is a little more serious than, than envy. In shorthand, to envy is to want what someone else has. To covet is to wish they didn't have it. It's a little bit thicker. When you, when you envy, you die a little by the comparison trap. When you covet, to covet is to wish a little bit of death on somebody else. It's thicker, see. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit nastier. That's why when Jesus listed the, the neighbor commandments in the passage we read just two weeks ago with the rich young ruler, he, he summarized this commandment as, as do not defraud your neighbor. See, it's not only that I feel bad that I don't have something, I hate you for having it. And I'm starting to think about taking it away from you. That's coveting. And like the rest of the commandments, it's more serious than we thought. A little, a little jealousy plants a seed and it, it becomes a root and it grows and grows and, until we're ready to move out against each other and take from one another and defraud one another to gather what isn't rightfully ours or to do harm to our neighbor. See, that's coveting. Not only do you have what I want, but I hate you for having it. That's what Jesus saw in our Luke passage this morning in the middle of a, of a long uh, public teaching. Jesus was aware of the Pharisees out along the edges of, of this, this crowd as he was teaching them along, and they were, he was aware that they were detracting from everything that he was saying. And, and Jesus had just told a story in this chapter to the effect of using money to serve relationships rather than using relationships to serve money. And then he goes into the teaching that we just read. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So 
If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Well, what, what is this someone else's property and what are this true riches if it's not worldly wealth? If it's not worldly property, what are we talking about? Jesus is speaking of God's property. Of God's property. You see, Jesus is reminding us that God owns it all. He owns it all. And you and I, we have the privilege of handling a bit of it for just a minute. For stewarding it. For taking care of it for an instant in time. That's it. So don't get confused about who you serve. Don't try to serve two masters. Remember who your master is and whose resources you are are channeling along right now. Are you with me? But the Pharisees, they loved money. Remember, money isn't evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the Pharisees, it says, they love money. And here we go. We're getting to the point. Verse 15. Just keep this open in front of you. If you have your Bibles open. Luke 16, verse 15. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. There's three parts to that. The first part, Jesus says, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. Well, here we go. That's the comparison game. That's the comparison trap. You're the ones who all you care about is how you look in the eyes of of other people. You justify yourselves in how they look at you. Here comes the squad who only feel valuable if they are more valuable than the one next to them. Comparison is deadly and it breeds envy and covetousness. Listen now, if you never escape the need to find your value through the eyes of others, then you will never know your true value in the eyes of Jesus. You're the ones, he says, who are stuck in the comparison trap. All you care about is how you look in the eyes of others. But, second part, but God knows your what? Hearts. That's the second. Let me just drive around the corner and we'll come right back to that one, I promise. Now the third part. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight, Jesus says. What Jesus is basically saying there is you, you play the comparison game. You scrape and scramble to have a little more than the Joneses down the road. You, you fight and kick just to get a step up above the next guy. Listen, 2,000 square feet is a lot until you think, well, but, but he has 5,000 square feet, you know? Uh, a, a condo in Breck is, is great, but it's nothing compared to a house in Vail, Right? Or a chalet in uh, France. You know, there's always something. And a and million dollars you'd think would be a lot of money. But, but he's got five million. And she's got 30 million. And, and somebody in South Carolina just won a billion. <laughs> For doing nothing good. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Say, look, the comparison game. It's never enough. It never ends. You never get there. 
No, it's a killer. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying the things we fight over, what people value highly, the things we fight over, what we lie awake at night worrying that we, about having a little bit more than the guy down the street, God couldn't care less about that stuff. It's detestable in his sight. Not in a mean, dismissive way. It, it matters to God that this stuff matters to you. He cares about you. Your father knows that you need these things. As Jesus said in Matthew 6, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But what? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me tell you, friends, that's the same, that's righteousness. It's the same word that Jesus was saying the Pharisees were looking for in the eyes of others. You're looking to be justified in the eyes of others. You're looking to be righteous by those around you. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, they'll they'll be given to you as well. They come along behind. When you seek God, when you put him first, What we stress so much over is nothing compared to the glories of the kingdom of God. Let's come back around to the heart. Jesus said, God knows your hearts. And that's where we get the real power of the 10th commandment. Think about this now. Of all the neighbor commandments... This is the only one that you could break entirely within your own heart with no one around you being the wiser. See, this is in your heart. If you murder someone, that's out there. That's an external behavior, right? If you commit adultery, if you steal, there's other people involved. Those are external behavior. Honor your mother. Your your parents know if you've honored them or not. Your neighbor knows if you've lied about them or not. These are all external acts. They're external behaviors. But the tenth caps them all by returning again to the heart. It's the heart that really matters. The root of it, the invisible interior life. That's what God knows. That's what Jesus cares about. And this 10th commandment reminds us that this is how all the commandments are. It's not a list of moralistic external behaviors. They are a way of life, a pattern of the heart. And what is going on inside is what matters the most. That's why when Jesus taught about all the 10 commandments, he kept returning to the heart, right? He would say, look, if you've gone there in your heart, you've already gone there. Because it's the heart that matters most. The interior life with God. God knows what's in your heart. We spent last weekend on a trip to Disney World in Universal Orlando with uh, our boys Peter and Liam. And we saw a lot of stuff. We saw... A lot of things that were fake and meant to look real. A lot of things that were real and looked a little fake. A lot of things that were fake and looked fake. (laughs) You know, they have these trees there that that are are so real looking, made out of some some material. They're so real looking, you can't even tell that they're not real trees, you know. They're fake, but they look real. Can you imagine having one of those trees in your yard? What that would be like? You know, there it would be, and it might be kind of nice in some ways. Fake trees are good at some things. 
They're, they're good at not changing. They're good at staying the same. They're good at not growing. You know, and they serve you. They do exactly what you want. You can make them sing. You know, you can imagine taking your friends out there and saying, I can make whatever birds you want sing in these trees. I just do it on my app or whatever. Follow along with me. (laughs) See, the fake tree, it'll serve you for a while. It'll do whatever you want. It could seem pretty nice. It could serve you well. It never struggles. It never wavers. It never grows in inconvenient directions. It never causes you to worry much. Listen, I'm telling you that many of us would prefer fake tree faith. A fake tree kind of relationship with Jesus. External, plastic, looking good from the outside. But never a challenge, never an awkward growth, never anything that that causes us to change. No, no threat. I just go to church. I just do the thing. I I just cover the base. I, I give a little here or there from what's left over. Keep it at church. That's what I say. This religious stuff, you just can't let it seep into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday life. That's when it gets weird, you know? A fake tree faith, a plastic faith out there where I can control it. And it does only what I ask. Listen. We prefer a fake tree kind of relationship with Jesus. But God knows what's in your heart. And it's in your heart is what matters. And a fake tree faith, a fake tree, you know, it can serve you for a minute, but it doesn't bear any fruit. You say, I've got this this religion going in my life. I've got this little thing and I totally control it. And it never imposes on me. It never pushes me. I've got this fake tree plastic faith. Friends, what's the last time you tasted any fruit from that thing? God knows what's in your heart. I don't know if you follow that illustration. Maybe by God's help you do. But when it comes to an exercise like we're about to engage in, when it comes to encouraging one another annually to give, to commit to the work of the Lord in the next year, you know, we're pushing one another to, to enter into the spiritual discipline of giving. It's not about an external plastic tree religious behavior kind of a thing. It's about the heart. Do you trust Jesus? Do you believe in what he's doing? Do you want a plastic show? Or do you want to taste the fruit of genuine faith? Well, then you've got to give your heart to Jesus. Above all else, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. It's what matters most. From it flow the wellsprings of life. From your heart flows good and evil. Whatever you do, it's coming out of your heart. You guard your heart. The, the ones Jesus said to these, these critics around him, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. It matters so much to you what other people think of you. But God knows your hearts. You can break the 10th commandment and no one, no one would ever know. But God knows. He knows your heart. And in your heart... Trust Jesus as Lord. See, a moment like this, friends, it isn't about giving dollars to your church. It's about giving your heart to Jesus. 
He talked so much about money because he knew that money was so close to our hearts. And he doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Will you trust him? As I close, um, look back on our walk through the Ten Commandments. I hope you survived it. <laughs> I hope I did. <laughs> I'm struck by what we've, we've learned together. As I started us out, I, re- I reminded us that the Ten Commandments were given by God for three reasons. They were given, number one, to restrain wickedness in the world. They were given, number two, to reveal holiness. And they were given, number three, to guide us in the life of faith as we grow in the likeness of Christ. And we wondered from time to time as we approached these ten, if we had any of these commandments under our belt, if we got this one put away, which is the one? I want at least one that I can come to church and say, Pastor, that one. I... And we couldn't find one. Couldn't find one. I'm struck by what I've learned once again. I don't need a teacher. I don't need an encourager. I don't need a life coach. I need a savior. I need Jesus. We put these Ten Commandments somewhere back in our memory banks, a children's song, a Sunday school lesson, and then we sort of grow in confidence. I'm pretty sure I'm doing well. I'm pretty sure I've got those. Uh, I know the basics, and, and I'm on my way. I'm pretty sure I've been keeping up with them from the time of my youth, like the rich young ruler. We say, I'm pretty sure I've got those covered from the time I learned. But no, there's not a single one that we could confidently claim. They've revealed what holiness is. And once I've, I've realized just how far I am from holy, then I realize I'm not halfway up the ladder just looking for a little nudge. I'm not almost there only looking for a little spit and polish. No, if this is holiness, and it is, if this is what holiness looks like, then I realize I have no business claiming to be any part of it at all. But that's why God gives us these commandments. That's why he reveals himself in holiness. Because we begin to know who God is and who we are. And we begin to know or hope for what it might take for you and I to be holy one day, to live holy lives before the holy God. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take Jesus. Not trying harder, not encouraging more, not not pushing harder. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take Jesus who knows how to honor Father. Jesus who knows how to use money to bless, to, to really bless, not curse those around him. It's going to take Jesus who knows how to use his voice to build up and not tear down. It's going to take Jesus who knows that God is God and is alone worthy of honor and praise. And idols are, are worthless trash. It's going to take Jesus who knows the beauty of the Sabbath. Jesus who doesn't just honor the name of God, but who is the name and reputation and revelation of the Lord God Almighty. It's going to take Jesus Christ who went to the cross to pay the penalty for our disobedience and rose again to open up eternal life. It's going to take Jesus. He knows your heart. Friends, you cannot live the Christian life without Christ. You cannot live the Christian life without Christ. You cannot bear fruit from plastic tree faith. 
The show is no good. It's no good. It's your heart that matters. So now this is the moment to recognize your need for a Savior and to commit your ways to him. Turn to him with trust and give him your heart for he is faithful and good and true. Hallelujah. Amen. So we go through this moment together, friends, to encourage one another. And it's a time where some of us have, uh, have prayed about the resources God has given us, and we've, we've looked at uh, what God is doing, and we want to, uh, to take a, a moment to make a marker in the sand and say, Lord, over, even over this part of my life, my, my resources, you're Lord, and I want to see you glorified. And, and maybe you've come up with... Um, You've brought it down to brass tacks. You've brought it down to a number that you're going to commit to the Lord before one another. It's only by the grace of God that we keep the slightest promise. No one is, you know, we don't have collection officers on these commitments. Do you know that? It's just a way of saying, uh, I want to commit to this, and I, I want help, and I want grace, but I want to commit to this. And you'll be ready to bring your commitment card forward. But friends, Jesus... All that he talked about money and all the people around him and all that he talked about with money, he wasn't trying to fund a single thing. He didn't need for a single thing. He was after your heart. And so maybe for you today isn't a time when you're making a financial commitment at all. And I want to invite you, whether you're a guest or member or regular here, whether you've given all your life or never given to the Lord, whether you've spoken to the Lord recently or ever, as the church comes forward, as, the, as, the, as the, the disciples in this body come forward and commit to the work of the Lord, maybe it isn't about money this morning. Maybe you take a commitment card out of the pew rack in front of you and you don't write your name on it. You don't write a single thing on it except my heart. And you bring it and drop it in front and you say, Lord, it's you I love. Friends, this is the moment to encourage one another to commit our way to the Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's come forward. Uh, I should say too, sorry. You were right about to jump up. Uh, no one's going to direct you as you feel led. Maybe from front to back might be a good idea as we're pretty full, but no one's going to direct you today. Just as you feel led, come forward, drop your card, make your commitment to the Lord, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.